Welcome everybody to a brand new show. It is called Making an Impact. It's going to be a new monthly show where we look at everything going on in the world of impact wrestling. One of the few places I don't think it's covered on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis is going to be here nearly enough. And I had to think, who is the best person to really come with me and look at everything that's going on in Impact fairly. Look at the impact of Impact. Yes. Yes. See how Impact is making it its impact. Yes. And I've been joined, as you can hear now, by uh, my good friend and co-host of Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, Paul Brown, is joining me Yo. here today. Paul, uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to this. You know, you're a, a very much a lover of Impact. It's your, kind of your main form of watching wrestling at the moment. It is at the moment, yeah. It is. Although yeah. I, I do, I, I am enjoying the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... Great fan. I know we're speaking of Impact, but I'm a great fan of Keith Lee at the moment. Yeah. Great guy. You know, very, very eloquent, very powerful, <laughs> very cool. Yes, you is. know, hopefully we will see him with a little bit of gold soon. That's well, that is very hopeful, but recently, ever since especially Slammiversary, Impact is gaining more and more attention. Yeah, Impact kind of sort of lit, lit the fire, you know? Mm-hmm. It seems to be the company that's actually benefiting the most, I think. You were thinking about considering the circumstances yeah. of the world today. I mean, well, and uh, this is going to sound like I'm being negative towards Impact, but I'm truly not. Of course. It's just the way Impact was set up before COVID kicked mm-hmm. off, right? We were doing the shows and it was in like a darkened arena. Mm-hmm. You could only see basically front row. Yeah. You know, like a darkened arena. It worked very well for Impact. You could hear the crowd, but you didn't see them a lot, so you didn't focus on the crowd, you focused on the match. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Impact wrestlers, in my opinion, really are technically very sound, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even even their bigger guys, I mean, you get big guys in WWE and that, and I've mentioned Keith Lee, he's the exception to a lot of big guys, if you ask me. He's very, very good in the ring. Mm-hmm. But Impact's big guys... Little guys or muscle guys are all very technically skilled, mm-hmm. you know. Even some of them are very good high flyers, you know what I mean, for their size. Of course. You know, so I think Impact, it really covers the whole, it covers the whole thing, you know what I mean? They have technical ability, they have staying power, they have character development. But, unfortunately at the moment, we don't have as big an audience as I think we should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? that is. Well, actually, hopefully, once crowd will come back into the impact zone and just in arenas mm-hmm. in general, the people who have been tuning into Impact more regularly or new fans that they may have created through the buzz of Slamversary yeah. will help, will reciprocate and continue to follow and come back. I do, hope, I do hope so because, I mean, a lot of the things I've read online in regards to people and their opinion impact. A lot of it is really positive, mm-hmm. but you still get a few people saying, oh, Impact sucks, Impact this, Impact's that. I think uh, at one point during the time Tessa Blanchard was the Impact World Champion, someone commented on Facebook that winning the Impact World title was no better than winning the WWE 24-7 title. <laughs> now, I think that is either a, well, for want of a better term, that's either a little bitch or you can see my loyalties coming through there. Yeah, I, I, I can see it's it's kind of a very, it's very very dismissive of the impact. I think so. I mean, it's not just dismissive of impact title, but it's dismissive of those people who go out there and not their fucking panning. Yeah, and it's like you know? Tessa, the controversy around her side of her 
not giving the belt back and not showing up as champion at the time. That was still a big moment. Mm. Impact is still, when you think about a major promotion, well, it may not be seen as so in the grand scheme of things as it once was yeah. when it was under the TNA banner. But was, a major promotion, nonetheless, putting their main title on a woman. And it actually, like, not seeming like they were just doing it for the sake of Tessa Blanchard as a wrestler and the feud that she had with Sammy Callahan. Yeah. It made complete sense to put the belt on her and at that was, time. It was a good feud, and it, it saddens me a lot what happened with Tessa Blanchard because as much as I disrespect her now, <laughs> she was good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, I didn't think she did a lot in the ring, other than slap and scream a lot. <laughs> you know, reminded me a lot of Ladiva's division in the heyday of Ladiva's division. Huh. You know, she she didn't do a lot other than seem angry and slap a lot. <laughs> well, it got her to the Impact World Title, yeah, so she was yeah. doing something right with it. Yeah, I'd, as I've told you before, I think there's more knockouts and impact that were more deserving probably would have taken that belt a lot further than she did mm-hmm. I mean as I always say Taya Valkyrie I think Taya Valkyrie is phenomenal mm-hmm. Jordan Grace oh yeah she's great we'll talk about phenomenal her. we'll talk about her a lot later on towards the end of this Diana Parasso mm-hmm. phenomenal oh yeah you know Rosemary for fuck's sake <laughs> she's phenomenal mm-hmm. there's so many great women wrestlers in impact and they put it on Tessa. And I don't know if that was a hype thing or a she's getting her moment kind of thing. She's a name. She's a Blanchard. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like the child of a horseman. You know, there's many reasons why I'm sure Impact thought, let's put the title on her, but it, and it ultimately didn't work. But for what it was at the time, it was a good thing. It was a high moment. An impact, I believe, is going to get more moments like that, and I just think we need we need that audience. Yeah, because like even know? in their when they were going through the roughest periods, they still managed to bring in a crowd. Well, mm. they're not being the biggest crowd, and they may have ran very small venues that made it look a passionate crowd. They what? had a, a passionate crowd, and like a lot of it can be put down to in the last couple of years the leadership. Of Don Callis and Scott Demore and Creative, very, very much so, yeah. and also the talent themselves that have been brought in around that time. Yeah, and we'll talk about a lot of the new talent or kind of newish talent, some yeah. who were there before that have come in since Slammiversary. Yeah. Because I remember, and it's going to sound especially has uh, sounded a little bit in the last few minutes us really fanboying about a lot of stuff to do with Impact, but we, like, I've especially become more dedicated to Impact. It's become more when I kind of try to seek out and watch first out of everything. Yeah, the minute. Ever since slap the beginning of Slamversa because actually it's it's managed to hook me in. <laughs> and they managed to take advantage, I think, of a, a couple of very horrible situations like the pandemic and the fact that these people that have been brought in are returning or were kinda of let go unfairly, but have now been brought in and given a new platform to yeah, showcase to show what we can do because I mean, take a perfect example, in my opinion, is Eric Young. Uh-huh. You look at the, the timeline of Eric Young, Young, right? He was in the, the glory days of TNA. Mm-hmm. He's a multiple-time TNA world champion. A f- fantastically skilled wrestler, in my opinion, in the ring. Of course, he you know he's he's done his he's done his fucking he's done his time, and he he deserves every plaudit that goes towards him. You know, mm-hmm. he goes from impact. And he goes to WWE, well, he goes to NXT, mm-hmm. forms a phenomenally great 
faction called Sanity. Mm-hmm. But that's in in NXT. That faction's very high up. Mm-hmm. Very good exposure. Blah blah blah. And then what happens? He gets main rostered. Sanity break break up, and then he gets jobbed. You know, he, that's basically. I mean, his last match I remember seeing on WWE television. He jobbed out to Apollo Crews or something like that. Yeah, he was very much a feature on main event for a while. I think he was one of the few that was really happy to go. Yeah. Because he basically said that if you have a three-hour show and you can't find something for Eric Young to do, he said in an interview, then you're you're failing. Because yeah. it's not. He said it wasn't meant to be like a case of oh, I'm begging myself up that I've not they've not finished spot for me. Basically, I'm a I've found myself very versatile. I've done all sorts of cross yeah. micro. I've been a comedy. I've been serious. Like if you can't find a few minutes for me to do something and make good use of me, what then what the hell are you doing with your three-hour I mean, television program? That guy, that guy is, for want of a better word, he's a vet man. Yeah, you know, he's a wrestling veteran. I, I believe I, I listened to a few interviews with him. I believe one of them they said he debuted in 1998. Yeah, that's that's what 22 year ago now. 22 years. Yeah. So he's been on the scene for 22 years. Mm-hmm. He's been a multiple-time champion, and WWE seem, deem it fit to job him out to I, someone that they barely have any time for. But like he, what he's doing in Impact now, and we'll talk about uh, more detail later on in this podcast. Yeah. But what he's doing now is great. You think he's been around for two decades now, and yet now is one of the times he's felt more relevant than he ever before. Hell he's yeah! Because he's been cutting some really good pre-tape promos where he was going through his career in Impact. And he mentions the, that briefly mentioned that faction he was in World Elite, and he says, "I was elite before being elite was cool." Yeah, that was that's a, a really cool line. I think if you're a diehard wrestling fan that likes to leave it everything, and you shouldn't impact and you hear that line, that's gonna that's gonna be the thing that hooks you into his promo. And yeah. he's like, "Oh, I get that because he did this before and now this." And, and like, also, like if you look at like Eric Young aside, you look at another guy who was like a TNA, you know, like legend, EC3. Mm-hmm. That guy went to NXT, <laughs> did okay, came in main roster, and turned invisible. <laughs> and then he comes back to T. Well, Impact, and he is so gripping. He's not because even... he's getting a chance to just be. Because EC three for months while he was waiting for his no because he was putting up promos. This whole control your narrative free EC three. You have been warned. Yeah, he's yeah. All these promos and. He's going to Ring of Honor, he's going to UW, and then he shows up at Impact at the very, very end of Slammiversary. Yeah. Because when everybody thought he would be in the main event, he didn't, he just showed up very, right at the very end. But controlling his own narrative, as he says. Like, he's been so compelling with what he's been doing at Impact when he does appear. And he, it's been a month since he showed up. He's not once had a match in Impact. I don't think he, I don't think he will have that. I think they could probably go all the way to Bound for Glory before he has his first match on the 24th of October and that would people would buy into it so that just shows the strength of this current character that's the thing though that just proves how good he and in turn Impact is Mm -hmm. right because he comes in he doesn't have to throw a fucking punch he just comes in messes with Moose a bit Mm -hmm. you know controls his narrative as he says and you're drawn into him. You're drawn into the character, to his presence. You're completely drawn in. Mm-hmm. And he he hasn't even stepped foot in a ring competitively yet. Yeah. You know? You've got him, you've got 
you know, you've got uh, Gallows and Anderson, the Machine Guns are back, Brian Myers, formerly Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, you've got HBK and Diesel. Oh, sorry, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. No, I was talking about uh, the guys who are who are coming in from WWE, mm. like uh, Heath, formerly Heath Lear, but now he's just Heath. He's just Heath. And you, got, and uh, you mentioned Brian Myers, who's, you know. And you've got Heath, who technically can't even get a contract in kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> and... We'll talk about everything that's been going on because the build the last couple of months has been to this big two two week special like uh, across the eighteenth and twenty fifth of August they had Impact Emergence basically pay per view quality shows on TV yeah kind of yeah. the gap between Slammiversary and Burn for Glory and everything on TV has really been building to that so we'll get that will be where a lot of the talk we're talking yeah. about here revolves well, around but let's, let's also just quickly I mean we talked a lot about Eric Young EC three the ones that have come in from WWE as well, but let's not forget to mention just quickly the complete strength of the knockouts division as well. Yeah, because we're going to come to that a we're going, lot. We're here. going to come to it a lot here, and we're going to be talking a lot, particularly about people like Jordan Grace and mm-hmm. Yana Parazzo and whatnot. But that Jordan Grace, that woman, in my personal, and that's just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. right? That woman has more fucking wrestling talent in her little finger than a lot of the women have in WWE completely. That woman is... That woman's the shit, Mm -hmm. to put it in a colourful term. That woman is the shit. She is powerful, but... Also, you look at Deonna Parazzi, and I only mention these two in particular because we just had a phenomenal match. Mm -hmm. That Deonna Parazzi is... Technically, at the moment, she's technically unmatched in the women's division. She is faultless, in my opinion. You know, we talked a lot about the people who have been coming in or have returned to Impact, but also Impact at the moment has a really a phenomenal roster of kind of their own talent. Oh yeah, and also the knockouts are like I think we've got probably one of not the best booked women's division currently going, like. I know AEW and a lot of fans' eyes is above them in terms of importance, but the AEW women's division pales, in my opinion, in regards to this, because I think this will maybe come out after All Out, but All Out, they're setting up for Thunder Rosa from the NWA, the yeah. NWA women's champion to come in to fight her, Carl Shida. That match, I believe, is going to be phenomenal, no doubt about that, but like the yeah. fact that I'm more excited about that than any other AEW women's match, and it doesn't even involve one, one and a half is not even a full-time member of the the roster yeah. kind of shows some uh, some issues, I think, with the EW Women's Division, but we could be here all day talking about that. <laughs> but something that's really... That's for another show, I think. Something that's been really fun and kind of out of nowhere. If you tuned into a random episode Impact the last few weeks and you've seen it here without context, <laughs> even with context, it's hard to explain, but a wee fun thing that they've been doing on Impact recently is Wrestle House. Yeah. Where it's, it's basically a, a mock reality show with a bunch of the the impact stars, and maybe they weren't they weren't sure what they were going to do with. So let's all put them together. Let's put all these personalities. Yeah, let's do a skit with them. We've got the the, the Deaners, Cody. Can, can I do, can I do it? The Tommy Dreamer thing. Oh yeah, match time. <laughs> yeah, you've got Tommy Dreamer, <laughs> kind of the MC last host of the thing, and whenever someone's got an issue, he yells match time, and they go and have a match in this weird outdoor ring. Yeah, yeah. And the weird things that they fall over, like the Deaners fight each other over who gets the be- the big bedroom or something like that. Yeah, uh, the Deaners fought. Didn't they fight? Uh, 
AC over the beer or something, or one no, of them. No, no, they accused AC of stealing their beer because yeah. the dinners are in the midst of investigating who stole their beer. They took our beer. <laughs> no, they just did like, like I love they also do the like as they were doing a rally show, like the talking to the camera, but yeah, yeah, and it cuts to them and going, we they took our beer. Which I've, I we've been joking is like that bit from that South Park episode. Mm. All these people come back to the future, like they took our jibs. Oh, oh, they took our jibs. <laughs> I'm, got... I'm also hating Johnny Swinger more. <laughs> oh yeah, he's such a dildo. How would how would you describe to people who maybe aren't familiar with Impact? How would you describe Johnny Swinger and his his thing, his gimmick, as it were? Oh, he is. Do you know how you describe Johnny Swinger? How do you describe Johnny you Swinger? You describe Johnny Swinger like, see someone sleazy. Uncle. Like, <laughs> say you were coming home with a girl or something for the first time, and your uncle was there, or your dad was there, and there was a sleazy old man mm-hmm. who was still trying to be cool. Uh-huh. That's Johnny Swinger. He's the sleazy old man who's still trying to be cool and with it and completely not. You've got, you've got him... Talking like an old like territory vet at times, trying to make Crazy Steve his, his young boy, his protege. Leave Crazy Steve alone, man. <laughs> crazy Steve is crazy enough without Johnny Swinger trying to get in his head. You've got Kylie Ray, who's kind of been kept in there, so she's been kept, kept away from the title because she's the number one contender. So I assume they're wanting to keep her away from the belt until Bound for Glory. Because I assume they would have done her on a, had her face doing a Parazzo on a weekly episode of Impact, but. I'd, I guess that was I, shows how much I know. I honestly believe if and when it comes to it, mm-hmm. and Kayla Ray fights Diana Parazzo, I believe Diana Parazzo will kill her. I, I, I look forward <laughs> to seeing what the match looks like because you got her, you got Jordan Grace, you got a, a strong division. I think Tina Dashwood is coming back, formerly Emma. Tiny gloves. Yes, yeah, tiny gloves. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Tiny gloves. You got her are, back. are they gloves? Do they warm her fingers? No one knows. You got uh, two of the best on this are AC Romero and Larry D. Who no, no, uh, no, Lawrence D. Who became Lawrence D. <laughs> because he got put under a spell by Rosemary, where now he's wearing this weird sports jacket and tries to impress Rosemary. And it it kind of reminds me of Greg Valentine trying to be a jiggle. <laughs> yeah, all of this. There's a thing with the juniors looking over. I'm like. I think I know who Lawrence D is. Yeah, no, no shit. It's it's Larry D in a sports coat. No, <laughs> it's Urkel. Remember when Stephen Urkel, Steve Urkel, became Stefan Urkel? <laughs> and you've got Rosemary and Johnny Johnny Bravo. Yeah, we actually have a very interesting match on the next coming up on the next Wrestle House. Yeah, which I think maybe the is teased as maybe the final edition of Wrestle House, where because a part of the allegedly the whole reason they're all trapped there is because. Rosemary is interested in Johnny Bravo, and who's, who started off as a corrupt referee for Taya Valkyrie to help her keep the impact, the knockouts title. Yeah. Then just became basically her lackey. Yeah. And basically, Taya keeps getting in the way between them, and basically, until they two basically admits to each other, they feel yeah. they'll all be trapped in Wrestle House forever. I did, I did love when Johnny Bravo had a match on Wrestle House. <laughs> and I said to Brian, I said, you know, I've never seen him wrestle. I don't think he even is a referee. I think he may, may have been a legit referee. I don't know much about him before he came yeah. to Impact, so I don't think he is an actual... Well, I think even if you're training for like a non-wrestling role, I think in case you're involved in an actual wrestling angle, yeah, you, you do, do know need, how to take a few spots. You have to take a few, but you need to do some training. Like, yeah. I wouldn't hold it that I'm not actually an expert. I've never 
I've never really taken a real bump in my entire life. You, would, you wouldn't like to question how we do it. No, I know. I don't want to act like I know the biz. I'm not a mizark. As, as you're, Johnny n- you're not say. Johnny Swinger. You don't know the biz, man. <laughs> yeah, like the issue is like even had Taya challenging uh, challenging Kyla Ray on an episode of Wrestlers for her number one contendership. Yeah, and like she's basically kept trying to take control of Wrestle House, <laughs> like arranging activities. Like we're gonna watch him. They're arranging a movie night, and it turns out it's a compilation of the best of Taya Valkyrie <laughs> that she put on. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see Wrestle, how... Wrestle House has been fun. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that, a little bit of comment. I actually look really much looking forward to the Wrestle House thing, so I'm sure <laughs> you, both you and I will be sad when it ends. Yeah. But I think you always yeah. had a limited like shelf life. Uh, I would get in myself a Wrestle House t-shirt if we ever make one. <laughs> I think they do. I think they may have them. Maybe. Wrestle House. We can check online, but I think they do have them. Hell yeah. A Wrestle House t-shirt, a Crazy Steve t-shirt, and a Giver 24-7. <laughs> As a Dino reference, yeah, right, just man. for those who don't know. But the oh, if we ever make we took our beer, <laughs> just, I'm getting that. They, they really should. They should take advantage of that. <laughs> they really should. <laughs> yeah, they uh, something actually I want to bring up quickly. Something I'm not the biggest fan of when it comes to Impact, and also we can't love everything that Impact do. There's going to be some negatives. You need to look at things objectively. Yeah. One thing that Impact could really improve on. Is their commentary? Yeah, because you have the first ever husband and wife, even though they don't acknowledge it on TV, commentary team of uh, Josh Matthews and, and Madison Rain. Madison Rain, who I'm still not sure if she's not an active wrestler, is an active wrestler. She's she she stepped back in the ring at, at Slammiversary for that not out Scotland for the number one contendership yeah. that Kyle Ray. But that's the won. first time in months she's been actually in the ring. Uh, yeah, maybe she's trying maybe transition to a non wrestling career because she also does a. She hosts a, a, a show backstage interview show called Locker Room Talk. Yeah, Locker Room Talk. Which I love the most recent one where she had the rascals joining and they be kept leading to, to weed and greenery and mm-hmm. all that thinking that trying to invite a Madison Rain up to their treehouse to smoke weed with them. She's basically <laughs> like, absolutely not. <laughs> now, you see, I, I, I would have gone to their treehouse to smoke weed with them. Of course you would. Once the weed was gone, I'd have left because I find them irritating, but, you know... <laughs> I love. I do love their promos where it's just like it's kind of all smoking. It cuts to each of them eventually because I believe it's maybe a reference to like the basement scenes from that seventies show, yeah. which is a nice little nod. Um, I love the scene, the segment they did one in their treehouse where they had uh, they even had suicide get up there smoking with them. Yeah, and they the smoke's coming through his mask. <laughs> but like the commentary is just Josh Matthews. He tries his, his best, but like. He's not the most captivating leading guy, I, love, I think. I love how you feel like, Josh Matthews, he really tries. But, like, he's good compared to fucking Madison Rain. Because, honestly, here's how you sum up a Madison Rain commentary. Josh Matthews asks, asks Madison Rain, do you think this thing? I really do, Josh, because you know this, or I don't actually, Josh. Like, that's, 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 her, that's the basis of her commentary. Yeah. Because, like, I don't... Like, I'm all for having female commentators, but you can have, I'm sure there are better ones out there than bloody... Hashtag bring back Don Callis. Yeah, I liked when Don Callis returned for, for Slammiversary, instantly, within the first match, I'm like, he's already shown how much, so much better he is yeah. than than Madison Reed. And he's got a fun shade of mahogany. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He's, yeah. But he was much better, man. Mm-hmm. Bring weird. back the jackal. It's weird. I think maybe it's he's also his backstage responsibilities that have kept him away from the commentary. Mm. I think uh, Hard to Kill back in January, 
which is where Tessa won the title, he was still on commentary, and then just as the we got further into 2020, slowly just Mazarin came in and he yeah. was out. And I don't know what the real change was. I really was sad to see him not on the commentary team What do you think anymore. it is, though? Do you think it's both of them, or do you think it's particularly Madison Rain? Like, do you think Matthews would be good if he had a good person keeping him, you know, like, interesting? I think you. I think so, yeah, because I think he's interesting when he's with Don Callis, and because sometimes he tries to make him seem seem cool or seem like rally behind a, like one of the good guys but then he comes off seem, making himself seem really nerdy or really yeah. silly so like when they were advertising micro balls and he was t- talking about how oh I've, oh I've got hundreds yeah. and he's in my house like even though he only advertised three different kinds of them like they're like you just made yourself like such a big virgin just all your reaction figures in your house <laughs> like that scene from the start of 40 year old virgin like look at this man you've got a billion toys in here never seen the 40 year old virgin it's okay Anyway, it was just like I don't know why that was the reference I made, but like, and plus I shouldn't really slag. I've got a bunch of Funkos in my house, but at least I've got. But in my own mind, that is that is better than how George Matthews put his thing with the micro brawlers. I've got a bunch of wrestling fig- figures and wrestling videos, but I ain't no virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to say he doesn't. He just makes him sound seem like such a nerd. No, that at times it's Josh Matthews. No offense to any virgins, you know what I mean? But I ain't one. I didn't. I love how that's a disclaimer you felt you needed to make on this podcast. Well, you know, people are sensitive about things nowadays. I just thought I'd cover all bases. You know, moving swiftly I'm, on. I'm sorry, you're a virgin. Can we please move swiftly on yes, from this? Yes, you can. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> I mentioned he he showed up at Slammiversary, but then. He was informed about more. Well, you don't officially work here. Yeah. So then he was going to come to the next impact to get in the building, but then he tried to call Rhino. Rhino didn't pick up his phone, so he couldn't get in. And then he got a match with Moose for the TNA Heavyweight Championship. Getting a good count of himself. Too. And, he, and he looked like he was going to win. It looked like he was going to win. The referee was down, and Moose, that no good man, he cheated, so he did yeah. to get the win and keep Heath out. Moose is a bit of a bism. But I think through Rhino, he's still going to make his way back in. He and Rhino will get back together and be, a, I think, a decent addition to a really solid tag division that Impact yeah, have at the yeah. moment. I, I really hope to see Heath do well, because he's really, since in the time since getting released and coming to Impact, he's got himself in phenomenal shit. Yeah, he has. <laughs> oh, well, can I just say, I hope we don't have to see Ethan Page cry for too much longer. <laughs> Because he always seems upset. <laughs> well, well, since they lost the belts, he seems upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of insane. You know, I, I look forward to that. It's a weird match. I didn't think I'd want but like Slater and Rhino versus the North. He, he, did, he, didn't even, he didn't even smile the last time we came to the ring for their match. You know how he usually sits on the apron and goes... You know, you're kind of getting ahead of yourself with the North. Because you know, we've got other things we need to talk about. I just first. like them. I know you do. I know you do. Just, Hold yourself steady, you'll get to gush over them a bit later on. But I think uh, we should just delve into emergence because, like I said, when we get to, when we talk about certain matches and talk about how we got to there, we basically cover emergence and basically yeah. the weeks leading up to it in kind of a more well-rounded fashion because, like I said, everything in the last month since Slammiversary has really been building to emergence. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the opening match of emergence, uh, something I did not see coming. We had a triple threat match of... Uh, Chris Bay, who only just won the title at Slammiversary from Chris from uh, Willie Mack. Yeah. He re he defended the exhibition title against Rohit Raju. Rohit and TJP. TJP. Company, company by his tag partner Falaba. Yeah. 
And and we have to say, first of all, that Rohit managed to kind of talk his way into this match. <laughs> you know, had had Chris Bay's ear for the few weeks before it and was like, no, I'll make it a triple threat. I'll have you back. I'll help you with this. Yeah, it was a really solid opener of the X Division. It's no longer about the weight limits anymore, but still, it's a great yeah. way to open the show. You had these three. It looked like, from a joy of it, like, it would have helped if, if uh, Josh Natchez didn't kind of bitch for the majority of the match that, oh my god, this is just a handicap match. This is basically a handicap match for yeah, the majority of it. Because, that's all because Josh Matthews does. Because that's what it seemed like. It seemed like uh, Rohit was helping Chris Bay. Yeah, like, or, or diving in the way of moves so Chris Bay didn't have to take them. Yeah. And help. So it looked like either Chris Bay was going to then slide in and finally take advantage and sneak away with his belt, or it looked like TGP was going to finally. Kind of overcome the odds but and overcome the two on one. We never saw coming. Neither of those things happened. We never saw coming what came, because near we're getting near the end of the match. Chris Bay is kind of tied up in the corner, upside down. Mm-hmm. Rohit climbs up with turnbuckle, and then all of a sudden goes insane. Mm-hmm. He he looks at Chris Bay and starts going ah ha 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 ha. And then he proceeds to die on his face. <laughs> yeah, kick, like the mule stomp. kick him, mule stomp right in the face, down there, pins him. Rohit's the new X Division champion. And he runs up into the corner going, ha ha, ha ha, pointing to his head, going, yes, I'm the smartest. <laughs> I am the greatest. <laughs> he, Rohit wins the X Division. For no reasons, I am the greatest. Futurama reference. Ah, I was going to say, like, I am confused. Big brain. I'm, it's been a while since I've watched ah. Futurama. I was like, yeah, I didn't. Ah, Futurama I thought, reference. I, I'm sorry, like, is, he, is he having a mental breakdown or is he trying to do an impression? I, us- I usually am, but no. <laughs> Futurama re- reference. Thank you. I'm sure there's somebody out there who got that. Someone knows what I meant. <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, so then you have TGP is down and uh, Chris Bay's all tied up in the ropes and he, he wants Roji to help him and then he sees his moment and he, like he said, the men, crazy yeah. eyes, stomp, gets the pin and he's all celebrating. And he actually, when you actually see the result and then you look back the last couple of weeks, you realise all along maybe Rohit was the one in control of the story because what actually happened was he ran into TGP and Falabaha and while TGP's kind of an X-Division competitor, he's focusing on the tag division right now. Yeah. But then he's kind of, well, he was kind of prodding like, oh yeah, but I bet you want to challenge Chris Bay for his X-Division title. And eventually TGP just went, well, maybe. And then <laughs> he, he goes to Chris Bay like, oh, do you, make, you should hear about TJP. He's been going on saying he can beat you for your X. Yeah. And then they had a tag match, Bay and Rohit versus Falaba and TJP. And TJP actually beat, made to Chris Bay submit, which is where... Rohit basically came in and said, I'll have your back, like, make it a triple threat emergence, I'll have your back, you'll retain the title. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Bay thought also so little of Rohit that he also thought, oh, screw it, I'll, I'll retain my title. And then he, he got outsmarted by Rohit. Yeah. And you know what? I'll see in the image of Rohit holding the title. Doesn't look too bad on him. No, see fair play to him. He played, he played the long game. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken... Chris Bay's still very much in his early 20s, what, 23 odds or something, something like, like that. that. So at first it was like, it was so weird that they seemed to be so behind him as a figurehead, maybe of the X Division, and maybe a future star of Impact. They brought him in and very soon after he wins the X Division Championship and then loses it so quickly Yeah, in the way that he did. 
But you know, hopefully this will be like one of maybe many X Division title reigns hopefully. for for Chris Bay. Or maybe there's a larger story at play where he'll win it back from Heat and they'll learn not to, to underestimate him next time. Mm. It was it was very interesting and I see I'm we, I'm curious, sorry to cut you off, sure. but I'm curious to see like with Rohit winning mm-hmm. the X Division title whenever with you know the other members of Odessi Hit Squad come back. Yeah, that was the, the team he, he was part of. Yeah, well, well, that, will Odessi Hit Squad come back? Will he get more respect within the faction? Maybe. Well, will that lead to any subsequent title reigns for other members of Odessi Hit Squad? I would be interested to see how long they plan on giving him the belt because, like, it's weird that it seems to be such a quick turnaround mm. for the for the X-Wing belt because back at Rebellion, which was back in what. April time, yeah. April May time, April May time, and where Willie Mack won the title, and then he lost it some anniversary in July, and then lost it in August to Chris Bay, and then who lost it in August to to Rohit. Yeah, so in a very in a very quick couple of months, it went from Jake Christ mm-hmm. to Ace Austin. Ace Austin to Willie Mack to Chris Bay to Rohit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'd like to see maybe if they try and give him a, a long reign with his belt, like or because he's decent line to me where he seems to kind of escape with the belt and hold on to it uh, just at the last second, or if they burn back the Desi Hit Squad, they can use him as his backup, they can kind of interfere on his behalf to keep the belt within the group. Yeah, because maybe maybe him winning a title gives him that little bit of respect he was looking for. Possibly because since I've started watching before Slammiversary, he seems to be like his big complaint is he's always overlooked. Mm. Like uh, Moose needed a tag partner one week, and basically he went around everybody in the roster. They all said no before he eventually came to as his uh, as his last option. Yeah. So it's kind of a kind of I'm showing like, well, what do you think of me now? I've got the belt. Yep. Uh, speaking of of champions, we have as I mentioned the TNA heavyweight champion Moose, <laughs> who kind of the self-proclaimed not anymore. Self-proclaimed TNA World Heavyweight Champion, he's been defending the title and you kind know, of unofficial matches. And Josh Matthews has just been going off. He's not like he's not a champion. He's not a champion. And Madison Reigns being one, I bet he is, but he's got the belt. He's <laughs> defending it. He's a champion. And, and then to watch Josh Matthews goes, but he's no but. And he defended the title at, at Emergence against Trey Miguel, who's really. We have to think about it in terms of the rascals, Dez and Wentz and uh, Dez are the are the main like tag team of the group, and he's kind of the singles guy. And uh, fair dues to him, like he's done so well. He's done well singles wise because like back at uh, Hard to Kill, even he got an X Division title shot again when he saw him as the champion. Yeah. He got to be part of the five-way main event for the world title at anniversary. He did. He got the first title shot against uh, Eddie Edwards, and now he's getting a TNA title shot, even though Moose didn't mean to give him the title shot. Because yeah. he decides his opponents by invitation only. And basically, he, uh, Trey found uh, a suicide mask, and he was going around wearing it and yeah. having a laugh with the rascals. And Moose wanted to fight suicide and gave Trey the invitation, not realising that it wasn't really suicide. <laughs> To say to say that he got destroyed though would be a little like being kind. He got annihilated. I think he gave a good account of himself at least. He did, but when he finally got hit, he he had a few hope spots in the in the match. Yeah, because I think the whole thing with Moose right now is that he knows that uh, EC3 is coming for him, 
and he wants to defend the belt against basically anybody but EC3. Yeah. And EC3's even trying to be messing with him. And we, they had the match at Emergence, and George Matthews said that he would actually think of Trey more as a champ, or true champion if he beat Moose. And Madison Reigns all getting up and like, oh, but, oh, but you say Moose is not a real champion every week. But then George Matthews made a decent point. Yeah, but Moose didn't do anything to earn the belt. Whereas if, if Trey was able to beat Moose tonight, he would have done something to earn the belt. To earn the belt. Also, we should mention the TNA title. Since Slammiversary, he's now got a new, brand new white strap. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It is one of the best looking belts I think going I'm, right now. I've got to say as well, <laughs> even though, you know, Moose didn't earn it or nothing, looks good on him. Mm-hmm. It looks... The only way I used to say the big gold belt looked like it was Triple H's belt. Yeah. That TNA title looks like it's Moose's belt. Yeah, because Moose, you know, he's got a full gimmick, the Mr. Impact Wrestling, the, the wrestling god that yeah. he stole from JBL <laughs> back in the day. Uh, but he had this match with Trey. Trey did have some, like, hope spots, but, like, a lot of it was very much, I'd say 70%, maybe 80% Moose. Yeah, I would, something like that. I, would, I don't want to just put it down as maybe like a squash match or anything like that. It, uh, you don't want to, but it, it ended up being. Yeah, but you want to keep him kind of looking kind of dominant, uh, Moose that is. Yeah. And and they did, he felt like Josh Matthews and Mazarine made it seem like they, well, the, it would be the biggest upset ever whenever Trey got that moment where he, he got that one shot in. Yeah. But I think his issue is he, at points he struggled to follow up. On it probably because he'd been beaten up for so long, yeah. and then eventually like, he gets it at one movie like oh he's about to turn it around again, but then immediately gets caught with the <laughs> with the spear yeah. from uh, from Miss One Two Three Miss retains, and Trey is fucked. Well yeah that, and then EC Three returns again, attacks Miss for the second time in a few weeks, but this time steals the yeah, TNA championship it. belt, and he's been the, the main crux of EC 3s promos the last week is basically. I had this, the greatest moment in my career winning the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. But ever since then, I've been punished. I've suffered ever since. And I need to destroy all connections to my past. I must destroy the impact, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So I assume that he and Mr. are going to have a match for the title. EC3 will win and then somehow physically destroy the actual title itself. Mm. And in his own way, he will be free. Of the belt. Of the belt. He will free of the past and he can move forward and be... EC3 once again. Uh-huh. I, I assume that's why I've been, I assume that EC3 v misses a match for Bound for Glory. And like I said, like I said, if they build this right, they can go all the way to Bound for Glory mm. without EC3 having to have a match in between. Because you can have Moose going around demanding <laughs> his, his belt back. And it's my belt. <laughs> give me back my belt. And EC3 basically challenged him will meet me at, at Bound for Glory if you really want it back because Miss didn't well want to give him a, a match because yeah. I think actually one of EC3's last feuds in, uh, in TNA before he, he left originally to go to NXT was against Miss yeah. where he won the Impact Grand Championship uh-huh. from Miss and one of his last matches he eventually dropped that belt before leaving but uh, so they had that connection from before but Moose seem to claim that he owns EC3, at least he would tease that on tour before EC3 made his debut. And yeah. I remember thinking about like, no, I mean, he beat you last time <laughs> you were uh, around together, so I don't know what you're on about. No, I don't like and he's, getting that quite right, uh, I know, like that more delusion from the wrestling god, mm. the self-proclaimed wrestling god. I get and mis- threatens everybody to say that he's the best. Aye, like Dave Penzer, the ring announcer, over time learned to 
announce him as a TNA champion, otherwise he wouldn't get threatened. <laughs> just having to basically fight grab him, pull him back in there, like, come on, come uh, come announce me as a champion, but eventually over time he's just learned, like, alright, I'll announce you as a champion, just don't hurt me. Uh, something that I know you've been a fan of recently is the current story arc around Rich Swan. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they kind of threw a red herring at us at, at Slammiversary where it was going to be a four-way Tree, Eddie Edwards, and Ace Austin, and a mystery fourth person. And it was all teased that it was going to be this mystery, like, former TNA champion that was going to come Everybody back. was saying either Eric Young or EC3. Or EC3. And what did we get? And we got Rich Swan. Rich Swan came in. He returned from that really nasty ACL injury that he got back in January. Yeah. And, and he, he was looking good. Looking good. And then he, Eric Young came out to make it a five-way, so we did get a former champion. Yeah, yeah. And then the second the guy eliminated was Eric Young through a roll-up by Rich Swan, yeah. and then Rich Swan, his knee gets destroyed Yeah, Eric again. Young proceeds to show his true colours, go insane. He has shown why he is called the world-class maniac. Yeah, because he brutalised Rich Swan's knee. Mm-hmm. And do you know, to his credit, even after EY got removed from inside, Rich tried. He tried to continue. I thought either he's going to get taken out, or they're going to actually fought for a thing that Swan still won, but they were going to use this to take him out the next little part of the match and make yeah. his win all more, more triumphant. But, but no, no, he couldn't. No. He could barely stand and got caught with the fold by Ace Austin and, and pins promptly, and then came out a few weeks later, basically cutting this very emotional retirement oh, speech. I know, I know. Uh, it had it had me going, so it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, maybe it's probably a thrilling, and he'll come back. Uh, and Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-Eddie-
Say it's so. I, I don't think it is so, but I I do think he'll come back. I can see a little kid on his arm. Say it ain't so, Rich. Say it ain't so. <laughs> he, but Eric did have a match the next week against Wally Mack. Yeah, and he he did get the kind of the win, but then that led to them. They've been teasing him versus uh, versus Eddie Edwards. Yeah, but Eric Young's always like it's going to be on my time, on my time. And Eddie Edwards has been a, really a fighting champion. He's been doing weekly title defenses. He defended against Trey, as I mentioned before. Yep. He defended against Sammy Callahan, who's in the midst of a feud with with RVD. And then he got RVD attacked, Sammy Callahan, during his entrance. But so, Sammy still kicked ass in that match. Sammy still had a really good match against Eddie Edwards. They do have history before. And what well, they, they really helped keep Sammy strong, but like by kind of just shoving the ref and shoving Eddie Edwards, like, don't feel sorry for me, just ring the bell, let's just do yeah. them. And, I, and love, they get like, like, I loved that during the intro to that match when they, was like, they were asking Sammy, are you okay? And he just went up to Eddie and scudded him and went, I'm fine. I'm fine, let's just let's Where's do it. Dalish, you dick? Uh, he is a former world champion himself. Yes, he and is. It, and also, so he believed we could have beaten Eddie Edwards, but then they're like, oh, but if it hadn't been for RVD, then maybe Sammy would have had a more of a chance to to put away to put away yeah. Eddie Edwards. And can, the, can I just say, and I'll say this quickly because it is a, it's nothing to do with the fighting, so it's very small, but Katie Forbes is disgusting. <laughs> That would be, be RVD's. That would be RVD's uh, woman, woman companion. But she is, ah, oh, she is abominable. Yeah, that, that. There are things about her that are not natural. There's, I mean, she is. She is not even pretty in the face. She looks unnatural in every part of her body. You know, even those abs look kinda. Those might be the only thing that's legit. I don't know, but. Cause she has, she has like a six pack now, mm. you know, six pack ginormous ass and plastic face. Yeah, she's she's very plastic and Ugh. and and just uh, that side is also quite annoying. Yeah, and more of a point, right? And I'm a, sure she's meant to be annoying, but like still, it's it's very she's very off putting. I've very rarely actually seen her within the ring. Like, what the hell is the point of her? She's his manager. Isn't, like, isn't she supposed to be a knockout? Oh, isn't she supposed to wrestle? Well, I don't think she's meant to wrestle. She did compete in the knockouts uh, gauntlet match at anniversary, but like she, did, I wouldn't call what she did in that battle royal wrestling. To be no, honest with you. not really. So like, he had the. Uh, was he also the week that Eric Young beat Willie Mack? It was more of a brawl than a match. Yeah, he, he, he came out later in the show and challenged. Eric Young to a title match, but instead his challenge was actually accepted by Brian Myers, <laughs> who you wouldn't expect him to come out in his first match to be a world title match. And I'm liking Brian's new kind of persona, the uh, the most professional wrestler. Mm. He's he's calling himself, and he even he looked strong with Eddie Edwards in that world title match. Yeah. And then Eric Young, as he's been doing the last couple weeks, comes out teases he's going to get into a fight with Eddie, but like, no. He's like, no, on my time, it's my time, my plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the second night of emergence, Eddie Edwards threw another open challenge, and again, we were assuming, is this going to be when Eric Young takes the challenge? But no, it was uh, it was RVD who I, came out, and I hate to shit on the RVD. The match is shit. Yeah, that this has got to be definitely by far the weakest match of Eddie Edwards' title reign was yeah, this match with but it was it was RVD's fault. I know, because like this guy's obviously been smoking weed for almost his entire adult life. Can't imagine what that'd be like. <laughs> yeah, and you look at him, 
And like we just made chill chill you out, right? But I think he It's not meant to pause you. He's been chilled out so long that he can't move beyond a certain pace. And like even within a few minutes he does like they do a little bit of spot on the outside where Katie Ward does a distraction yeah. and then he does like the leg drop across the barricade, but then you look at him, you're it's only a few minutes into the match and R V D already looks shattered. I've got to say and, and is the one positive I can put in his defence. Mm-hmm. And RVD's defence in that match is like, I watched his impact matches recently, right? Uh-huh. And the, the physical state of RVD. Mm-hmm. Physically, it was actually looking better yeah. than he has done the past couple of months. He was looking a lot more visually like RVD would remember, but he was still moving like RVD would come to know him. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? I, think, I just don't think he's... He can do. He has his spots that he's known for that he can do, but he's not at the same speed like as he could as, do. Uh, uh, not he's not really at the same speed as a, as an Eddie Edwards and like. Yeah. I was kind of. I think Eddie was carrying him through a lot of that match, which is a weird thing to actually say. And yet, when you think about it, an Eddie Edwards RVD match should be a solid match. It could be should have been a, a potential main event. Yeah, uh, you, you, on any other in week. Head, in your head, you think Eddie Edwards RVD? That'd be bitching. And, and then, then you see it, and you're like, "Ah!" Huh. Eddie, Eddie hits the Boston knee party and pins him. You're kind of actually just sitting there, like, "I'm actually glad that's over." Yeah, I, like, I'd, I'd, I'd told you I was watching this with some leftover pizza from the night before, and I was more interested in the pizza I was eating than the match itself. Yeah, me, me and Brian sat and had a, a discussion during the match, <laughs> and then we looked around and went, "Oh, the match is done." You know, oh, good. And I think that's part of the issue of the match itself, and also other than the main event night too, which we'll talk about. <clears throat> I think we should say that for the for the end. I think the only thing that the only thing that got our attention during that match was at one point we went ah because we got a close up of Katie Forbes' arse. Like we we got a fright. <laughs> like like the ending of night two we'll talk about later on. I think we'll talk about that at the end of the show because it, it was solid. But I think the issue with emergence is they overstacked night one. Yeah. Other than the, other than the knockouts match that has been hyping up for quite a while. They didn't have much else on. No, they they done everything in night one. Mm-hmm. You know, he what's it? So Eric Young then does come out, and then they do. They really, they have a brawl between Eric Young and Eddie, and then they go backstage. But then Eddie comes back out. Yeah. So like it felt like they were filling time to then set up the match the following week. Eddie Edwards versus Eric Young. Yeah. And even though we we're kind of taping this. Recording this a few days before it's actually going to go out, we should mention that it's already came out. What happened, and we should just we'll just talk about it briefly here. Yeah, we can't not acknowledge it because it will seem even more out of date by the time the school is up. <laughs> yeah. the fact that Eric Young did actually beat Eddie Edwards for the title. Yeah, and a decision I think makes, does make a lot of sense because Eddie, even in his short time, when we talked this before we even started recording, he's done more in like a month of like re- re- defending the belt every week than most people can do in a year long title reign. Yes, we know. We could we could speak of some people who weren't defending it enough. Yeah, and then Eric Young, I think he just cements like he's already came in. He's on fire with this this character, as and hopefully, if he's able to come back, my my dream is it, Rich Swan comes back. Yeah. Rich Swan wins the title. You know, I think Rich Swan, even a guy whose main still in WWE was two or five live, and I'm actually seeing an impact. I can see, like I can see you. Being the main man, being the main man, being the world. I mean, if it's just like a short reign, it's the story of him beating Eric Young, yeah, the man who tried to end his career to get to there. That, in my opinion, that is why, on a personal level, I am an Impact fan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm an Impact fan because guys like that just wouldn't get their fucking time to shine in WWE. Mm-hmm. Guys who are perfectly capable, both character-wise and ability-wise, of carrying a company. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the WWE goes, nah. Mm-hmm. You know? And a lot of the time with WWE, you're going, why the fuck are you going, nah, that guy is, that guy is money. <laughs> You know what I mean? That guy will make you money if you just give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And Impact goes, you look like somebody that could be give a chance to We'll give you a chance. If it doesn't work out, fair does, but at least we gave you a chance. What do you think the possibility is, or the likelihood is, that if Ritz One does come back, that he comes back before Burn for Glory? Because if so, could you see Burn for Glory main event being EY versus Swan for the no. title? no. I do see Swan, if there is a, whoever is fighting for that title at Bound for Glory, mm-hmm. I see, I don't see it being Swan, mm-hmm. but I see Swan being a factor in the decision. Ah, I see. If you know what I mean. I see where you're coming from. I see Swan being a factor in the decision. I'm trying to think who, other than him, could be, if they, if they maybe just do it, like an Eddie rematch or... Well, we forget, we're forgetting Sammy. Oh yeah, but he's currently, I don't know how long they're going to keep this thing with RVD going, that'll just depend on that. You've also got Ace. You know, Ace Austin, and because I assumed that it would be some sort of, a, either Easy to or, or Moose would hold the TNA title, and then the main event of Bilko would be them v, uh, v Eddie Edwards and a kind of a unification thing, and that would be how the TNA title ends, but yeah. again, it shows what I bloody <laughs> know about how Impact is uh, booking their product. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to know how, you just need to know that it's good. Also, going with Brian Myers, he uh, was not holding back recently because he got a match against Willie Mack on the second night of Emergence, which he picked up the win for. And That was, was actually a pretty good match. That was solid, yeah. yeah. Much better than, than RV, the RVD match, but it was set up because the week before, uh, Willie Mack was being interviewed about <laughs> not being able to beat Eric Young and not, want to, and not being able to fully avenge his friend and talking about how Rich Swan's doing yeah. his, his homie as, as William Mack described him as yeah. and then our Brian Myers basically just commented you know, he just grabbed the cameraman grabbed Jimmy Jacobs who was interviewing <laughs> him and he was running around like I've done everything that I was told to and yet look where it's got me I got fired Like, and he said the one line that everyone's talking about yeah. it disgusts me that major decisions in this business are being made by a 70 year old man who's out of touch who's out of touch and like just not holding back there with yeah. Brian Myers and then there's the led to we have a brawl, which then led to the match. So it just goes to show the kind of chip on uh, on the shoulder that Brian Myers has. Former Kurt Hawkins. Formerly uh, Kurt Hawkins. Former Edgehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still host a podcast with uh, Matt Cardona about wrestling figures. Yay. <laughs> 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 I, don't know, I just love your reaction to that. Yay. Yay. Wrestling figures. Mm. <laughs> well, I was going to say about Eric Young, his, uh, his character. Like the whole maniac thing, he was. I listened to an interview with him on the on the way over to Europe to record this. Yeah, he was talking about like inspiration that he takes for character. He says I take it from all different sources. I take it from movies and stuff. Like he even said, like maybe there was maybe some inspiration like Taxi Driver, kind of inspiration when he first started yeah, the character. Yeah. And he like he said he re- he'd read a lot of books about acting and improv to kind of help him here. And one bit of advice that he he read about, he said he'd, he'd even pass on to like some of the younger guys. Yeah. He said there was a thing where it said about trying to get into your character and it said, it, the tip was, write down a list of three three to five things that you think 
your character, this character that you're playing, would carry around in his pocket mm. or in his wallet or whatever. And that would help you gain a better understanding of who your character is, mm. rather than you just pretending to be something that you're not. Mm. Somebody you talked about earlier, Ace Austin, uh, so he's been kind of involved in a thing alongside his, uh, his henchman, he's a heavy yeah. uh, madman Fulton, formerly Sawyer Fulton. And former WWE, member of OVE. A former member of Sanity for a few weeks before Kelly and Dane replaced them. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they've been kind of involved with some issues with uh, the Good Brothers, Gales and Anderson. Yeah. Because they came in at the end of uh, a Slammiversary when Ace Austin was angry that Eddie Edwards beat him for the title. Yeah. So he and Fulton were biting him down then. Gales and Anderson came out the tease, oh, we're going to help you beat up Eddie Edwards. But then, no, they turned on and they beat them down yeah. and uh, Ace Austin have had an issue with it they even tried to they even got girls arrested because they <laughs> left a bunch of girls and since they're talking shop beers around their car yeah. and then try to make Ace Austin basically told these cops well these guys a couple of booze things have been drink driving <laughs> and there was a bit of a scuffle and girls accidentally like nudged into like a, a, a police officer yeah. and then got done for assault <laughs> and then was out by the next week Uh and then they just went around and they just killed the rascals in suicide in the middle of a match and called out Fulton. Yeah. It turns out they weren't even there, so they then scheduled the match for emergence. And actually, it was a really solid, solid match. It, I think it feels like a really a one-and-done thing, and I don't mind it being a one-and-done thing it because the one be, match... Because, to be honest with you, the good brothers bore me. Yeah? Yeah. Who? Uh, I just I haven't really got a feel for them yet. I think, I think maybe... It's, Still, maybe you're one of the people that still looks at them as like their WWE version. Oh of them. no, no, no! I'm, you know, I look at them. It's it's a fresh thing to me when they're in a different company. They're good brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just really bore me. Because I like the the match, because so I don't mind in the quality of the match if it's a one and done thing. Because you expect maybe I assume like Gallo, sorry, no Anderson when we get worked over. For ages, and then eventually tagging to gals, and that does happen at one point. But it's very even. Like there are point, some good points where uh, gals and Anderson are dominating. Mm. But then Ace, Ace and Fulton are being like wee sneaky heels on the other side. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of decent false finishes. Eventually, Fulton manages to get taken out by gals long enough that eventually Ace Austin, after he's been doing all this trash talking the last few weeks and calling them the new guys, mm. everything he he eventually realizes. Ah crap! I'm left all on my own, and eventually he's hit with the magic killer and put away. So, I think when you think about it, with everything that Ace Austin that I've done, it it's, it should just pay off. And simply, Ace Austin gets his comeuppance, and they move on to their own different thing. Because yeah, I don't think Ace and Fulton as much as they could easily be doing because they they do have like as you joked earlier the the Shawn Michaels Diesel style thing. Yeah. Uh, I think Ace is, they've got bigger plans for Ace as a singles guy and they're eventually going to get back to those. I do hope so. And even if Rich Swan beats uh, Eric Young for the title, if they keep Austin out of the title picture and then bring him back in around that time, Ace could be a perfect foil for for Swan. Oh yeah. Definitely, I think if that's going to be how he eventually wins the title because like, you were so certain he was going to win at Slammiversary, I, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't so certain because like, I think it's a case of you're going to win the tail, just not yet. I think it was more I was so hopeful. Yeah, it was more heart over head. Yeah, kind of yeah that was it. You get that a few times. You, I you do. Can't, you can't fault me on that one. You, got, you, know, you look at people like, who should win versus who do you want to win? Yes. And sometimes they correlate. Sometimes. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Who should win? 
probably Eddie Edwards out the lot. Who do I want to win it? Yeah. East Austin. And then Eddie Edwards did win. Yeah. Yeah. And and I went. Have <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> sigh. <laughs> I mean, it was solid this match with these two teams because. I said to you before that I wasn't impressed with Gallows Anderson's first match that they had against Reno Scum. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It's just maybe it's just because Gallows Anderson hadn't really had much in ring time since they were since they were released from WWE because they had that match with Reno Scum that's kind of the warm up before Ace Austin that because yeah. uh, Ace tried to basically paid off Reno Scum to kind of take him take out Gallows Anderson and also they feel that speaking <laughs> of Reno Scum they've been kind of helping Hernandez recently because yeah. he and he and Rhino have been doing this whole arm wrestling thing, <laughs> and then Rhino won Kurt Square, but then they had this big parking lot brawl yeah. for the for the money that was on the line, and then eventually, fuck it, we'll split it. But then we got Hernandez went behind Rhino's back, went said real scum. I'll give you guys a share if you keep my share of the money back for Rhino. Mm. And then they beat up Rhino, and then I think they're setting up now this week. I think there's going to be a handicap match: Rhino scum versus Rhino. That should be a good one. It should be. And Rhino, like, you talk about guys who really don't look like they've got it anymore. Rhino looks like he's got it still. Rhino, I was going to say, like, I, was, I was wasn't sure where you were going there. Cause no, like, no, Rhino's one of the few that have been there for a long time, but he still looks cause, legit. Because Rhino was a lot younger than people assumed yeah, when, he start, when he got yeah. his start in ECW. So he's not as old as like, some people may assume. And actually, you'll get him, especially compared to RVD. Yeah. Rhino's still properly got it. Yeah. But the biggest strength I think of emergence in general is that both nights were capped off by match of the year candidates. Oh yeah. In, in my opinion, night one was all about the North versus the North same Machine Guns, who won the titles. The impact after after Slammiversary yeah. with kind of the a really cool finish where they had the the North for the finish to kind of flip over and hit the Spinebuster, but then I think it was Shelly rolled through Ethan Page into a small package. One, two, three. And like, like you said, Ethan, Ethan Page has kind of been shaken by it. Like, <laughs> no, they did not beat the North. They beat us at 40%. We weren't ready, yeah, but at Americans, yeah. we will be ready. I still I still remember when they lost them. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Page sitting in the ring going, no. <laughs> He's like, no. Are we tangent here about Ethan Page? He's a funny guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but I saw a, thing, a clip from an interview he and Josh Alexander did. And the interviewer at the end asked him, you guys have any uh, controversial opinions or wrestling opinion, opinions about wrestling you think might not seem, unpo- seem unpopular to most people? Ethan Page, right off the bat, went, Vince McMahon is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. <laughs> he says that Vince McMahon should be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, saying that, uh, like, when you think about it, who has more heat than Vince McMahon, who's yeah. more of a character? Like, he's always he's up for anything in his matches, and actually, here at ASSR, we did a show. Uh, talking about the Mount Rushmore of Wrestling, Kwaku mentioned Vince McMahon is one of the names we should mention. And then I think from there, as much as we were all confused at first, he didn't need to really do any arguing. We all convinced ourselves that Vince because then he just simply put it like, look at all these people you're talking about, this person and this person. Like, but would any of these people got their opportunities if Vince didn't do what he did with wrestling? Yeah. And the cutthroat nature of which he did it and like, looking at it like, <coughs> yeah, so when you think of it, yeah, Vince should be on the Mount Rushmore of Wrestling. Maybe not from and then from the standpoint, even though like he's actually had some no bad matches, like his match with Shane at Mania seventeen, his match with Hogan yeah, was better than he should have been. Flair. Mm-hmm. And like that cage match at St. Valentine's Day Massacre where he nearly broke his back yeah. with that big table bump and ironically I may have mentioned this on another podcast we did, but apparently 
like you know the change from the big metal bars to the mesh like cage. I think it was Bruce Pritchard that said he was like, yeah, well, what, what what was the change? Vince Vince experienced it. Nah. As soon as Vince experienced the bar cage, we suddenly changed to the metal cage, or like the mat the canvases didn't usually used to have as much give as they do now. That's mm. because Vince started taking bumps. Yeah. So you know you go Vince. It's alright for everybody else to take it. Well, the minute the boss man feels it, oh no. no. Vince takes his first one like, Jesus, is that you wonder all my guys are on or are hopped up on painkillers <laughs> and shit. Let's let's do something about this, Matt. <laughs> it's like a family guy reference. Yeah. Well the murderer like stabs himself just to see. Mm-hmm. Vince takes them up. Oh God. Is that what I've been doing to people? <laughs> oh, I belong in here. He's like like, as Vince has always said, there's a big philosophy, like, I wouldn't ask you to do something I wouldn't do myself, and, like, some of the bumps he's taken show that. Yeah. Because, like, there's a clip from that new this W24 where he had to show Rob Gronkowski, like, how to do that dive off the, the platform, where, like, you've got the mat there, and Vince, just a 70-year-old man, and he just did the big trust fall dive because Gronkowski's taking too long, and he's too fiat. Yeah. And he's there, like, well, you got to do it now, fucking the 70-year-old... Plus the old like owner of the company just did it like oh and you do it you're gonna look like a sheep bag if you don't do it <laughs> but that's a weird weird tangent I'm trying to think I can't even decide if I like this match more than their original match because both matches are like solid so yeah, you got yeah. a team one of the best teams Impact in the past and then gets the team that's really been holding up the Impact tag division up until that's point yeah and like it was it was a great match that the North were more prepared. This time they were a lot more dominant, I think. And oh, yeah, yeah. They were constantly cutting no, off the... Uh, no joking with them no. this time. They were constantly like cutting them, cutting the machine guns off and all yeah. that. You had even at one point the uh, yeah, machine guns pulled back some of their old tagments, like the Netbreaker Splash kind of combo yeah, and things like that. And actually at points you actually could have believed like they did the big shock hole, machine guns are back, they won the titles, but then the North win them back. Mm. I could have actually seen that happening and especially as the match went on I was almost convinced they convinced me that it was going to happen. Yeah, well like I say Shelley took a severe beating in that match. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, Dave, I think they kept cutting him off before he yeah. could eventually get the tag into Saban. It's weird that Saban's the one that's getting the hot tag when you think he would be him taking the punishment because he's the one that's came back to recently his third ACL surgery and is still so- managed to go so you think the more healthier one would be Shelley, but you know, uh, who who am I to criticise their their ring psychology? Yeah, the more you know, <laughs> the more you know. But the machine guns eventually do manage to pull out the win and retain the tie team titles. It looks like the the North will break up the pin, but then uh, no, no, they manage it. The uh, machine guns retain a big feel good ending for for night one. The, the machine guns hold on to the belts because. Part of the reason I thought North could win the back is because I, I do believe it's a matter of time before the Good Brothers are the champions. And I think that if they won them from the North, it would make a lot more sense. But then again, I've, I've heard, I've seen like rumblings, I've not seen much else from the recent that's happened except for also the Eric Young title change that we talked about. Mm. But I think it looks like maybe we're getting another match between the Rascals and the Machine Guns, so maybe there's going to be another quick title change, maybe another shock. At this time, mm. the rascals could take the tag belts. God, can you imagine? You don't know. No. <laughs> but, you know, like, that's the thing with some of these titles, you never know what's going to happen. Because, like we said, the X Division titles had a quick change. Yeah. And then Eddie Edwards, so quickly in his title reign, had the title taken from him and given to Eric Young. 
So you can never really tell what's going to happen. Not really, no. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it exciting, but I thought about match of the year candidates and the main event of night two of Emergence, the a 30, 30 minute knockout. Iron Woman match. Iron, we'll call it an Iron Woman match because they call it an Iron Man knockouts Iron Man match, but it seems kind of redundant knockouts Iron Man. Should, should that not be Iron, Iron Woman man? Iron Man woman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's an Iron Woman match, a 30 minute one. The first one, I don't think we like. We've seen two in WWE, but I don't think we've actually ever seen another version of an Iron Woman match since this. No. Like, like between this and the last one in WWE. Not one that was so bloody good. Oh yeah, because like you got Deonna Perazzo who won the title from Jordan Grace back at Slammiversary and a brutal finish at Slammiversary. Had like the double oh, kind, no, of, oh, no. kind of the double armbar almost rings a certain still thing where Jordan Grace had to verbally like say I I give up. Yeah. And then they got this the rematch here, and. What I actually thought for the those ages oh, before there's a fall. Before you go into it, right? Sure. Before you go into it, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Before this match kicked off, mm-hmm. who did you see winning in your in your heart? Who did you see winning? Did you see Jordan Grace regaining, or did you see like me? Did you see a retention? Oh no, I I, I always saw a retention, but I was interested in the journey that they would go to yeah, get like there. How we would, yeah, how yeah. we get there, what they were going to tell. What a fucking story we told. Also, the fact that it's also 30 minutes, also the fact that there is also like commercials and occasionally when they come back from commercials, say, there were, only, there were only two commercial breaks for them, they come back, they say, oh look what happened during the commercial, if, it, if it's relevant. And, like, it just seemed to flow, flow by so quickly. And it did. And I thought they were actually going to do a Brett Sean thing in that it took ages. <laughs> yeah. It took ages for the first fall to happen. There weren't that many falls, but it took ages for the first one to happen. So I actually thought they would do a Brett Sean, go the full 30. Did you get the, the think in your head going, there must be a winner? I thought they'd go the full time and then go, like, sudden death, next fall wins. Because I think the whole reason they did that for Brett and Sean was again to show that they were so evenly matched. And I think that would have been a good one here. But I think the fact it took so long. Yeah. And actually, the difference between this match and the one at Slammiversary, you can see uh, Jordan Grace kind of smartening up a little bit. She's actually showing uh, Deanna Perazzo, rather than just using her friend, she's showing Deanna, look, I can get technical as well. She was putting Deanna in submission moves and that. She was, but I've got to say that Deanna Perazzo was taking no shit. Mm-hmm. She technically tore Jordan Grace apart. Like, there's even a spot where she kind of stomped on the, the hand of yeah. Jordan Grace on the outside, and that kind of helped her further like, torture and like when she had her in the arm. Well, I mean, it, it was great storytelling. I mean, what is Jordan Grace's main point? Mm-hmm. It's her power. Mm-hmm. And it's that Grace driver. And a lot of her offense comes from the arms. And Diona Perazzo spent like, basically that entire half hour annihilating her arms. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one point where Jordan Grace was going around the ring like... Hold on, yeah. Nothing going right, you know? Yeah. But then, like, I think we're just, like, under 10 minutes to go. Jordan Grace actually gets the first fall, actually puts away, and she's to get a pinfall on Deanna, and then yeah, th- yeah. that's when you see almost the panic in Deanna's face, where she's been, she's like, so like, dominant. Oh, God, there's a fall. Like, she's been so dominant that she has just yesterday not only tie it up, but then get a second fall. Because yeah. I think in an event of a tie, you'd think she would team, but then again, if it was a tie, they probably would go to sudden death anyway. Mm. So she was like, all right, got to get two falls, and then... But, like, after that first fall, Deanna Perazzo was... Quite literally, she beats the shit out of Jordan Grace. She pummels her. She puts her into locks. But then, like you the, know. the second two, the two falls that Deanna gets, they don't come to almost the, almost the last stretch of it. And one of them, she gets in almost by cheating. I mean, so also, oh, yeah. it really helps keep Jordan Grace strong in a sense that 
she was not so easily willing to give up because like in most Iron Man matches you'd see them like someone gets in this submission early on and they tap out and in yeah. terms of preservation until they sacrifice the fall to not get injured whereas Jordan Grace would be caught in submission for ages so like and it, it would take a lot for her to eventually give up yeah but if you remember right the first like evening up fall that Diana Parazzo gets like you say belt shot to the head because right, if he actually then gets taken out it looks like uh, Jordan Grace could get up to it nothing but she's then trying to wake the ref up and then while she's done that Diana steeps to the side belt shot yeah belt shot pin mm-hmm. got her but the thing that I noted which was really cool in Diana Parazzo's part when that second fall came mm-hmm. she could quite easily have pinned Jordan Grace she counted it to a two mm-hmm. and then went nah nah you ain't getting pinned mm-hmm. I'm going to make you quit. And she quickly turns it into a submission. That was a brutal submission. What, what's also a complete, I think it's happened once or twice in Iron per, my matches where the person like gives up and loses and gets loses a fall right at the last few seconds. Yeah. When they can see the clock, not once during the match does the clock appear on the screen. Not once, It no. appears on the screen for us at home. The commentators can see it. Yeah. The wrestlers can't see it. And that's the thing. Jordan loses the second, or, or second fall of Diana which ties it 2-1, to one, which gives the other one via submission in like the last five seconds. Yeah, but Jordan Grace last three seconds actually. But, but Jordan Grace couldn't have seen where the clock is, so she doesn't know how much time she got. All she knows is that this arm, her arms have been just destroyed yeah. the entire that She has to give up, otherwise serious. she's in serious career-threatening injury territory like, here. Perazzo, and I, I know it's not a name we really can bring up too often, but she reminds me a lot of Benoit in that sense. You know the way he would attack a body part? She's more. She's a much more elegant version yeah. of Benoit. <laughs> a much more elegant Which version. Which is not a sentence I thought I'd ever say out loud. She doesn't have that thousand yard, I'm going to kill my family stare that he had near the end. Or she doesn't have, she has at least decent teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not a gumsy psychopath. <laughs> sorry, Benoit. Oh, yeah, crazy bitch. Why are you saying sorry to him for? Well, for bringing him up. Uh, so sorry to people for bringing up don't say sorry to Ben well he can't fucking hear you yeah sorry people for bringing up that toothless cycle mm-hmm. but <laughs> but no she really did remind me of Benoit in the way she like she singled out a limb you know worked on it through the match and then ultimately that led to her getting that second fall because mm-hmm. by that point Jordan Grace was fucked yeah quite literally you know yeah, what I mean yeah, and she was done and the fact she got the belt and she stood over her like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm the shit. I beat you. Then, like, John Grace made a point, like, they announced like, a good couple of weeks ahead of time that the second night of Emergence, Diana Parazzo v. John Grace will be the main event. Yeah. So the closing <laughs> shot of Emergence just as a whole of tonight is going to be the knockouts match. And, like, John Grace even said before the Ironwood match, stipulation was, was added. This is all about the diversity that Impact allows in their knockout division. Yeah. It's all about how this is why, even though people say her always should be in AEW, should be in WWE. She's like, this is why she said, like, I choose to be in Impact for reasons like this. See, that's the thing. Everybody said, oh, you should be in AEW, you should be. Why? Why should someone who is legitimately getting proper coverage and getting treated like a wrestler, <laughs> you know, not some little woman in a skimpy costume mm-hmm. or a little piece of eye candy getting treated like a proper wrestler you, and main event in a, a pay-per-view yeah well like a semi-pay-per-view kind of thing but, I get you. but getting legitimate coverage getting 
getting to fight a proper goddamn match, you know what I mean? Because right, like, she and Dion has stole the show at Slammiversary. They Hell stole, yeah. They stole like the whole two weeks of emergence here. I'd honestly even go as far as say without any fear of hyperbole. Diona Perazzo and Jordan Grace are, the, are two of the best women's wrestlers. Oh. Or even two of the best wrestlers yeah. in general going to take today. out the part, two, two of the best. best. Two of the best wrestlers. Yeah, they're fucking great. <laughs> you and, know? Yeah. There's a, it's very hard to eloquently put it across, but they are just, they are without question two of the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Technically, technical-wise, power-wise, story-wise, they... Like, they cover all bases. Even though I think if they Carly somehow did beat Dion Prado, they could do they could do it in a believable way. I think it's just because of the performance in ring mice. I almost don't want AC Dion lose the title yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hold on to it forever. Just keep it. Just hold on to it. Hold it tightly. You stand. You're gonna stand at the side going, "You're doing great." <laughs> just hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't let them get it. <laughs> Well, honestly, it was a, a hell of an, an Iron Woman match, a oh, hell yeah, of a main yeah. event. Match of the year candidate, I've got, I've got to say, the second night of Emergence, and I don't think I'm too wrong, that main event saved the second night. Oh, yeah, it was fucking... Because the second night was so... It was so dull. It, it was... Like, the Eric Young world title stuff kind of took up a lot of the show. Like, then you had the Wrestle House stuff, that was a bit fun. Yeah, that was fun. Comedy. Yeah, the decent Eric, uh, Brian Myers... Well, really match, match. but really, it's Diana Perazzo and Jordan Grace holding that second night up. Oh yeah, through, yeah, purely through the strength of that that main event. Yeah, if it hadn't been for that main event, I'd have been quite disappointed with the second night. Mm-hmm. But that match was just something else. That's I think that's contender for the match of the year. That match that was a great oh, yeah. match, hundred percent. Yeah, I think we should maybe at the end of the year talk about our favorite matches of like the year, kind of in terms of impact. Yeah. I definitely think that one's going to be high up on It's going to be a difficult one to top. So you're you're not saying the Wrestle House match between Crazy Steve and Johnny Swinger, then? <laughs> the blindfold match. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that because... Remember, Johnny Swinger threw powder in Steve's eyes. I forgot, I, he, he kept, he, and every time he does it, he yells, Fuji! Yeah. <laughs> and so they have, a, they have a blindfold match. And then the, the guys around the ringside... Do the whole like the pointing like where they got other guys for yeah, yeah. but they they purposely point him in the wrong direction, so he just runs <laughs> in a turnbuckle, and they help create the Steve Yeah, win. yeah, great match that. that was, fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, we go from crazy oh best match of the year and all that thing to oh yeah, maybe crazy Steve and that were <laughs> blindfold. <laughs> crazy Steve and a blindfold a toga. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about the uh, the uh, toga. Yeah, don't remember toga, toga, toga. <laughs> they took our beer. <laughs> also, they chanted before when Tommy Drew announced the match. They did uh, the chant match time in the match time, time match time, time match time. Ah, <laughs> ah. Uh, uh, so yeah, impact. I was gonna say what a weird but fun month impact has had, and yeah, a weird but fun time I've had doing this show. Well, and hopefully the people enjoyed it as well. It's just, I think we can very much consider this very much a pilot for this. I think this so, show. but I, I think we have done well in just letting the people know just how great Impact is. Not to pat our, not trying to pat ourselves too much on the back or anything. Barry Horowitz. <laughs> but you no, know, this is very much a pilot. We're uh, we're still very much getting into a, a groove and not trying to get to ourselves. Why? But this thing. I but first let's talk about this thing first. Talk about everything. Everything. Ah. <laughs> 
everything. <laughs> well, speaking of which, that reminds me of OV thing. I heard tale of the IG Chris to teasing our return. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh, goody. Goody, yes. Even though brother was kind of wrong, he was not like Dave Chris who all the allegations. He that was, Dave, Dave he Chris was not was, like Dave or 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 Joey. Joey Ryan. He was not a dirty. He 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 was. He was kind of unfairly taken off TV because the gimmick he was involved in got cancelled and they didn't have anything else. So yeah, he knew he'd been teasing something. He knew to keep his in his shorts. He he's been teasing something that's like the modern day man in black or something like that, or standing up for the addicts and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's very uh, uh, just based on a couple of tweets that I've seen from him. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what this this thing is. He's, he's teasing. I'm relatively sure. Like, like considering he had nothing to do with what went on, he was just. There. Wrong place, wrong time, you know yeah. what I mean? I think we've... But we should do right by him and, you know... Mm-hmm. We should do right by him and actually give him something. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was a... Personally, in my opinion, he was a great X-Division champion. Mm-hmm. And he was really quite heavily featured when he was part of OVE. I mean, I like how he, he tried to piss off Sammy by calling them because Sammy calls himself the draw and he called himself the golden draw when he was he had the title. Yeah. Really, he called, should have called himself the silver draw because technically the title belt was silver. But you know, <laughs> you know, I don't mean to be pedantic and anything like that. I mean, the best the best way to bring Jake back, in my opinion, would be you know have Sammy give him the rub. You know, I mean, get mm-hmm. a program between him and Sammy. I mean, we never really had any fallout. Mm-hmm. From OVE. Well, that could be the thing. Maybe once Sammy's done with the whole uh, RVD thing, Jake Chris makes you try and kick off that program. You yeah, never... but there's, there's many a thing that could happen. You never know. But I've enjoyed doing this show. I've enjoyed having Paul with me, and hopefully you people right. have, have enjoyed listening to our kind of recap of, of Impact as well. And hopefully you'll follow along with Impact as we're on our road to, to Burn for Glory, and I'm, I'm sure that'll be a, a big night for oh, Impact. It will be. It will be. So. But remember, you can follow... Sammy S- Callahan is going to win all the gold. <laughs> you can follow me at ScottMcLeod96. You can follow me and Paul at, Scott, at, at SP Rambling. That's our, our podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast, on all good Android podcast sites where Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere. Anywhere. Everywhere. We're, we're anywhere and everywhere. And sometimes we're there. <laughs> <laughs> I look over there. Look, there's us again. Hello. <laughs> All right, we've we've crossed that point where from uh, professional to insane. So yeah. we're gonna let you people go before we cross over too much. Yeah. For now, we'll just say goodbye. Ta ta.